All right. We're in Jeremiah. Uh, we've been in Jeremiah for a while. I had uh, maybe planned to end it next week, but don't hold me to that. Uh, this might be the last week, but also there could be a few more. Regardless, uh, we've been mining Jeremiah for uh, what it is that we can do to find ourselves getting shaken or shaking out of uh, these dull moral habits that we create for ourselves. Where Jeremiah is reminding us that we get complacent and uh, what we want to do both practically and spiritually is we want to uh, find where God is going and we want to be there. Uh, we want to follow him in, in, in every aspect, in every way, and in our lives we come to this place where we're not comfortable being comfortable. Where we're not content with just the status quo or just getting by or just surviving. Where we're actually looking to settle into uh, the anointing of the Lord, to walk in the Holy Spirit, to go and to move and to make the most of every opportunity that we have. And as a church, we have trunk or treat. And yesterday we passed out uh, door hangers into the neighborhood here. And I think we plan to do that again. And this Saturday, if you want to join, you can come find me. Um, but I don't want us to have like institutionalized, created opportunities. I want us to look at every uh, aspect of our life and say, what can God do through me? How can God use this conversation, this interaction? Nothing is wasted on God. And that's one of the most beautiful things about him is that he doesn't waste tragedy or joy. He uses everything for his good. And if we'll walk in that, walk with an obedience and an awareness of God's presence, then all of a sudden we start seeing our lives dramatically different. We stop seeing all of our problems and all of our pain and we start looking at it as an opportunity for God to work in us and through us and to use us because he uses everything. And in Jeremiah 29, uh, which is where we'll be this morning, I feel like there's a, a theme of tenacity. And I don't know who needs that theme today. I don't know who needs that word to grab it, make it a mantra of your own, just tenacity. Maybe you're in a season in your life where you feel like letting go or giving up or quitting, and, and, and the word tenacity is the one you've got to grab onto and say, I'm not done, because God's not done. I feel like God is reminding us through Jeremiah 29 that he has work yet to do in us and, and, and through us. And, and in Jeremiah 29, 4, we find a letter being penned by Jeremiah. And he's writing to uh, the people of Jerusalem, uh, letting them know they had been exiled uh, over 700 miles from home. They had been uh, violently eradicated from their homeland and, and, and shoved into Babylon. And, and it was an unfamiliar area. It was an area they didn't want to be in. It was strange. They had weird customs. They spoke a different language. The food was all weird. And they just didn't like it. And they were griping and complaining just like any of us would if we were forced out into an area or a land or a city that we didn't want to be in. And they were complaining, griping. They couldn't wait to get back. And Jeremiah's writing this to them, uh, letting them know that God wasn't done that these were exiles, and the very term exile means that they were in a space that they didn't want to be in, that they were in a moment in time that they didn't want to be in, and for them it was traumatic and it was scary as you could imagine. And we see this happening in our city, where uh, people from various uh, countries are, are coming in as we're uh, taking in sanctuary people and they're fleeing their country and, and we're finding an influx of, of people who don't speak our language and don't uh, understand our cultures and they're coming here seeking safety and, and trying to immerse in our culture. And we see this happen in real time, and yet what we don't realize is how often our sense of who we are is tied to where we live. We don't realize how often our identity is, is found in our location, it's found in our uh, community, it's found in what's familiar and what's comfortable. And for these people who were uh, forced violently out of their homeland, we realize it wasn't just their homes that were in jeopardy, it was actually their identity, their, their livelihood, their state of being, who they thought they were, was all 
at jeopardy. And, and, and Judah's exile is a violent and extreme example of what many of us experience in our own lives from time to time. Now, we may not have been violently forced out of our homes uh, or, or workplaces or, or whatever, but there are minor and major changes that happen in our lives that we didn't ask for, and they cause us to feel a sense of exile, a sense of I'm not where I think I should be. I'm not where I want to be. Maybe it's a stage of life. Maybe you're getting older and you're like, oh man, I should have this, this, and this in my life, and I don't have that in place yet. Maybe it's a job. I should have gone here, and now I'm still here. Maybe it's a relationship status or whatever. But a lot of us, over the course of our lives, find ourselves in moments and spaces in our life that we don't want to be in. And normal life is full of distractions. It's full of uh, catastrophes and illnesses and loss and divorce and death and just bad things happen. And, and the reality is our lives rearrange themselves without ever being consulted. Things just transpire and we're like, how did I get where I am? And the essential meaning of exile is that you're simply where you didn't want to be. And you might feel a sense of exile today. Maybe not. Maybe you're content and comfortable and everything's going well for you. But there are moments in our lives, seasons in our life, where we feel this, this longing for something different, for something else. And what prompted the pinning of this letter was that there were rumors circulating around Babylon where Judah was not happy, they were, the, the, they were not settled, they wanted to leave, and there was rumors that Babylon was about to fall and they were going to return home. And people with good intentions and well-meaning were spreading rumors saying, hey, we're going to get to go home soon. And Jeremiah sits down through uh, God's promptings. He begins to write this to these excited and anxious people that Jeremiah wanted to encourage them and he wanted to remind them that even though they were exiled from their normal life, God had not abandoned them or forgotten them. And I think these words are an encouragement to you today. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know what has transpired to this moment, what season or what vibe or what feeling you're having. But I need you to know that no matter what's happening in your life, God has not forgotten you and he hasn't abandoned you. He has a purpose for your life and he wants to exercise that purpose and flesh that purpose out. And it may not feel like it's possible at this point. Maybe it was a dream that died, a relationship that ended, a job that you were fired from. And you're like, it's all over. But God's not done. My purpose is all here and I was all going this way and it's all for nothing. And God's saying, I'm not done. Exile is, is the worst which reveals the best. That many times when we go through the worst moments of our life, it's an opportunity for God to do some of his best and most intricate work. And Jeremiah wanted to remind them that God was still working, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of this unfamiliar culture, even in the midst of exile, even in the midst of being violently forced out of their homes, that all of us are given moments and, and, and seasons of exile. The question is, what are you going to do in those moments? What are you going to do in those moments of liminal space where you're in between what you have and what you want and uh, moments where you're not where you need to be or want to be in your life and in your career and your family and, and things are just not settled? What are you going to do in those moments that exile can actually bring us closer to God, but it can also push us further away? And I've certainly had moments where I was in a space or a season when I didn't want to be and I was angry at God. And it's wasted time, and it's not that God is, you know, he's like, fine, be angry with me. I'm bigger than your anger. It's fine, I'll, I'll love you through the anger and, and give us time and space to yell and, and scream and, and punch the walls or air or whatever. But then we come back to this moment where we go, we're actually wasting time. God wants to do his best work 
in our lives when things are unsettled, if we'll allow him to. And the most important thing we need to remember through whatever season of life you go through is that God has not abandoned us. God is not done. So if you're in this moment and you feel like you're unsettled, know that God is with you. And he desires to work something out that's unique and different, something that he wouldn't have been able to work out if you were settled. Something that if things were going normal, he wouldn't be able to, 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 to work and do in you. So if you feel separated or disconnected, God wants to step into those spaces, those feelings and those emotions. He wants to step into those uh, spaces in your life. And he wants to be what it is that you need for him in that moment. So if you feel left out or left like you've got to fend for yourself, just know that God is with you. Just know that God is for you. And so we step into Jeremiah, but before we do, I need to remind you once again that these words that Jeremiah is writing in 29 were for God's people in Jerusalem. They're not for you and I necessarily. These words are for them, that uh, they experience this moment and they experience this, and, and, and God is writing this to them. But what we can imagine, what we can glean from, is that if God is writing this to these people, uh, if we were going through the same feelings and same emotions and experiencing similar things, we could imagine that he would be saying something similar to us. And I think the overarching word is tenacity. Are you willing to lean in? Are you willing to press in? Are you willing to trust God through some of the worst moments of your life to know that he's still working something out? Tenacity is not just a feeling or a state of mind. It's actually an action. Well, we don't quit, we don't give up. And he says this in Jeremiah 29, 4. This is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. He's saying, I want you to listen up. If you've been exported, if you've been exiled from Babylon, this was rough, this was hard, uh, but through this I want to encourage you. And, and Jeremiah is encouraging and challenging God's people in verse 5, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce Take wives and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city I've deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for when it has prosperity, you will prosper. Then there's something interesting happening here where God's people are complaining. Uh, we've been forced out of our city. We're in a place we don't want to be in, and, and we don't want to do this anymore. And instead of God saying, well, just hold on a second. I'm going to figure it out. We'll, we'll work it out. We'll get you back, you know, because that's what we would imagine a loving God doing, right? Just giving in, relenting. God's actually doing something more important, more beneficial. He's saying, why don't you Stop looking for what's next. Stop looking for what's ahead. Stop looking for really what you think you need and what you think is best. And why don't you just live in the area, in the situation, in the moment that you've been given? Why don't you just invest in where you are? Live in this moment. Now, we use live in this moment often um, to remind us to like put our phones down and, you know, stop watching Netflix so much or, you know, whatever, and like appreciate the moment. And when you have good moments... You want to live in them, right? So when you say live in the moment, you're like, yeah, this is a good moment. It's happy. What about the bad moments? The moments where you're in the exile, where you're disconnected, that things are hard. You don't want to live in those moments. And God is saying to these people who were living some of the worst moments of their life, he's saying, I want you to live in this moment. The exiles are encouraged by Jeremiah to make the best of the situation they've been given. To build a life. To not stop 
living. I think our natural inclination when things are not as we want them to be is to just shrink back, to hide out in our bedroom and check out from the world and, and, and not engage and not dream and not build and not have hopes and not have expectations and just to settle back because things are not the way we want them to be. So I'm going to not move forward. And, and they're also advised to actively work. They're not called to just not settle back, but they're called to move, to build, to plant, to take wives and to have their sons and daughters have wives as well. We're talking legacy here. We're not talking like a two-year, five-year plan. We're talking we're going to work hard to build a future in an area that you don't want to be in. This was not short-term. And what God was saying to them is sometimes being exiled is not just a season. Sometimes it's a prolonged season. Sometimes it's more than a week or a month or a year. What's being described here is the process of building a future in the midst of the unknown. To build a future in the midst of being unsettled and being in situations and places and scenarios that you don't want to be in because no one builds a house or plants a garden if you don't plan to stick around. When you have this temporary mindset, you're like, well, I'm not going to settle in. I'm just going to be here for a minute and then I'm going to take off. We don't plant gardens because I'm not going to be here for the produce. I'm not going to build a house because I'm not going to be here to benefit it. No one takes a, a wife or, or has kids if you're unsettled. If you're unsettled, then you'll always be looking ahead to what's next and you'll never actually invest in where you are. We can't create a long-term change with a temporary mindset. And I don't know how that fleshes out for you. Could be simple, could be long-term, could be your job, could be your relationship, could be your home, could be your city, could be your livelihood. I don't know what that looks like. But what I know is that God wants to meet you in the situation that you're in and he invites you to live in this moment. And it doesn't have to uh, be the life you want, but you gotta be working to pursue the life you desire. And don't forget to live in the moment as the process moves forward. That the reason many of us don't live for now is because we always want what's next. The term, uh, the grass is always greener, common colloquialism, uh, is actually true. The way the light reflects on blades of grass actually makes it appear to be greener further away. But what happens is, practically, when you get to it and you look down, it's not green anymore. Meaning, we look ahead and we go, that looks better. I'm going to get there. We get to it and we go, well, that doesn't look as good. It looks better over here. And everything always looks better in hindsight because of the way our brain works and the self-preservation. But the idea is that when you step into an environment like this one, you come to church. And if you go, well, we'll just see how it works out. I don't know. They might have problems too. You're going to find problems. And then you go, I'm going to go to the next church. I'm in the pursuit of the perfect church. Now, you've already found the perfect church, so I just need you to know, but the also, as a, as a B, you know, as an uh, aside, there are no perfect churches. But what do we do? We go looking for it. I mean, I, I mean this marriage is, I'm going to go find another marriage. The grass, like, that one looks good. That grass is really green. You get there. Oh, this isn't perfect because there's no perfect spouses. I'm going to find the perfect job. There's no perfect job. That God wants to remind us that when he moves us and he places us and he situates us, it may not feel ideal, but if it's where God has you, it's where he's planted. You want you to plant, and you've got to invest in the area that you're in. So plant and build and live where God has you. It's not that he may not move you. It's not that he may not have something else for you that may seem better or may be more ideal. But he has you where he has you for a reason. And he has the people of Jerusalem there for a reason. There's a purpose, it's an intention. And you can read the history and the context to find uh, the events that led up to this moment. But what we're focused on is that they're there in a place they didn't want to be, and God says, I'm still there, and I'm going to work out my purposes. 
Jeremiah's letter was both a rebuke and a challenge. He's saying, stop feeling sorry for yourself and get to work. Take up the tools. Let's start planting. Let's start building. Uh, let's start making the most of it. And that's what tenacity does in the heart of those who consider themselves followers of Christ. The tenacity pushes us beyond our emotion, beyond our feeling. And it says, this is what God has called me to do in my career, in my marriage, in my location. And, 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 and more importantly than anything, my faith in Christ. We're not going to give in. We're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. We're not going to decrease. But we're going to increase. We're going to keep following God at a deeper level. And wherever you live, in whatever town or city or country, and, and whatever you're doing right now, it's not nearly as important as your faith in Christ, your relationship with him. And the exile or liminal space or whatever you want to call it can make us stronger in our faith or weaker in our faith. And we have to be intentional through tenacity to say we're going to get stronger in our faith. But the misnomer, I think, that we have in a life following God is that everything's going to be great. The misnomer is when people come to Christ is that uh, uh, my life's not going to be complicated anymore. Everything's going to be uh, straight and easy and, and, and God just does all the hard work and the heavy lifting and, and life's just going to be simple. And, and that's simply not the case. The reality is that many people go into a relationship with God imagining that it's going to be a straight line and it's really more like a roller coaster. And uh, I was thinking back to one of the first core memories that I have of being forced onto a roller coaster. And uh, I was 13, and my mom told me uh, at Disney World that I should ride Space Mountain. And I thought, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. She's like, it's fine. It's actually pretty dark. You can't really see much. It's a really easy kid roller coaster. And I did it, and I was terrified. I hated it. Absolutely despised it. The next time my wife talked me into riding the mine train, I have a thing with saying no to the women in my life. The reality is uh, I have very few moments where I found myself on a roller coaster. In every moment I found myself on one, I hated it. And I look around and I realize people actually ride these for fun. Multiple times, my kids just stand in line 20, 30 minutes if they have to to ride the same ride that terrifies me, and they love it. And when you're on there, like people are screaming for fun, not like out of fear like I was, and, and they're excited, and it's an enjoyable experience. And I don't know what it is about the human brain and the psyche that allows some to enjoy that kind of terrifying activity and some to be normal people who stay away from terrifying things. But the reality is we all find ourselves enjoying different things. But the people who enjoy the roller coaster, I guess, trust the process. They understand the feeling. They like that feeling. And they're able to ride with it. Or those of us who are normal are terrified of it and we avoid it. And I think when it falls in line with our relationship with Christ... If we truly trust that God is in control, if we truly believe that he has his best in store for us and that he desires to uh, build in us and, and plant in us and create something beautiful in us, and then we will begin to look at all the moments in our lives, the good ones and the bad ones, is God working out his best in us? Meaning we might come to a place where we enjoy the ups and enjoy the drops Enjoy the twists and enjoy the... doesn't mean that we're masochistic and we're like, oh, bring on pain. But it's this idea that we can trust the process that God wants to take us through, knowing that he's forming something in us that we don't fully understand. But we can enjoy the process. We can live in the moment. And I believe that's the heart behind Jeremiah's words, is he's saying, guys, I know it's hard. And I know you're not where you want to be, and you're not at the level you want to be at, and you're not speaking the language and the food and the culture and all of this. I know the twists are hard, and it's dark, and it's scary, and it's moving, and it's dropping. But trust the reality that God is in the situation. And if he's placed you there, 
then know that he's protecting you and he's taking care of you. And this is a challenge, but we have to be reminded consistently through the worst moments of our life that God still cares for us and he loves us. And if you want God to do great things in your life, understand that most often, great things come on the heels of difficult moments. It's not that God can't do wonderful things in your life when things are going great. And I wish he'd do that all the time. But God does something beautiful and surgical and and remarkable in our hardest moments. The moments when the bank turns are the sharpest or the drops are the biggest. And God's going, I'm actually working something out and you can't even understand. that You never know God as well as you come to know him during turmoil and, and loss and pain and suffering. That if we'll actually lean into him, then we'll find that we get to discover him at a deeper level. So hold on. Hold on and lean into God. Trust that he is there. Trust that he is working his ways out. And the more extreme the circumstances, the more important it is that you hold on. The more important it is that you lean into God, that you don't quit, that you don't give up. That exile forces us to check our focus. What are we looking at? So often in our lives, our focus is on all the things we don't have and all the things we wish we wanted and wish we had and and the way we wish our life was. And very rarely is our focus ever on God and what God has given us, that the life that we have is a beautiful gift, as hard and complex and messy and weird as it is, it's a gift. We have to see it as such. We have to lean in. It doesn't just say plant and, and build a garden, but it actually says, enjoy the produce, It's fascinating to me that Jeremiah has to remind them, I just don't want you to plant a garden. I want you to actually enjoy the fruit that you're going to grow and the vegetables that you're going to grow. Jeremiah 29, 8, for this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel says. Don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I've not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. In context, what's happening is God's saying, okay, I need you to just lean into this. This is the situation you're in. Let's make the most of it. Let's build. Let's dream. Let's stop losing focus. And he's going, there are some prophets who are predicting the collapse of Babylon. And they're doing this to elicit a sense of fear and anxiety in order to control and manipulate you. I know it's hard to imagine people using fear to control other people, but it's happening in this moment. And he's saying there are institutions, people who even mean well, but they're trying to motivate you. They're trying to get you to shift your focus from where you are into what you want. And they're they're using your own natural desires to try to lure you away. And Jeremiah is saying, don't let it happen. He's saying there are people in your life that are deceiving you and you've got to have good discernment. That I think in our own lives we have to find this discernment where when we're in these moments of exile or unsettlement or, or liminal space or whatever verbiage you want to put in there where we're there in that space, it's very easy to gravitate towards people who are going to agree with you. Oh yeah, just leave. Oh yeah, just quit. Oh yeah, just take off with that. It's easy to find those people. And because it's what you want to hear, we're very quick to go, well, that's got to be God. Right, because God likes all the same things I like and believes the way I believe and he wants what's best for me and so that's what feels right. And what Jeremiah is saying is we've got to be careful that we don't listen to these outside voices even if they're well-meaning to where they would deter us from his plan and his purpose for our lives. He's warning the exiles to say don't be deceived now we can't become the person that God desires us to be being isolated from everyone. So we can't isolate all the voices in our lives, but we can be careful which ones inform our decisions. We can be careful which ones help lead and guide us. We have to find the right people that trust in God and are going to tell us the hard things, even if they're not the things we want to hear, that are going to encourage us to trust in God and to move in the direction that he's called us. And exile may not be your choice, but it's a season you were given. 
So we build, we enter into the rhythms of the season and become a productive part of the community. It says pray, pray for prosperity as your city prospers, you prosper. And so it's this investment because there's always gonna be better. There's always gonna be bigger. There's always gonna be something to lure you. Jeremiah is saying lean into God's voice. Where does he want you to be? Where does he have you for this moment? And if you wanna Move, maybe God will draw you. Maybe God will lead you. Maybe God will move you. But if we're listening to his voice, we're gonna move with him and not in opposition of him. But what happens a lot and what I do often is I'm gonna obey God, but uh, I'm not gonna do it with all my heart. I'm gonna build a house, watch this. Look at this, I can slap some boards together. I'm gonna build a house, God said to, so here it is. I'm just gonna throw a few things. I'm gonna build a garden. It's not gonna be a good one, but I did it. There you go, God. We often do just the minimal. We just throw it together. I'm being obedient. We see this flush out with Cain and Abel. It doesn't work out when we just give half or we give it out of a begrudgingly when we do it just because we were told to. We might build, but we don't build a good house or a large garden. Go into marriage thinking, well, if things don't work out, I'll just bail. Go into a relationship with others, friendships. Well, if you treat me wrong, I'm just going to take off. Come into church. Well, the second I see that first warning sign, I'm out. Going to jobs, that boss doesn't treat me this way, I'm gone. We go into a relationship with Christ. If this doesn't benefit me immediately, then I'm going to do something else. We go into everything just half-hazardly, halfway doing and building. And I'm not saying you have to build the dream house or plant that physical garden, but spiritually, what works? What are we doing? What do we need to do to invest, to plant, to build, to grow where we are? To make the most of our time in this season, what investment do you need to make? Practically and spiritually, where we go, this is where God has me, so I'm going to go all in until he has me somewhere else, and then I'm going to go all in there, and then I'm going to go all in wherever God moves me, but I'm not going to get anxious. I'm not going to miss the opportunities here and now. The third thing he's saying is you've got to let go. You've got to let go, ultimately, of control. We've got to let go of control. There are people who draw strength from planning and controlling. There are people, so many people, who need to know what's going on and what's happening so they feel this sense of control and power. And anytime you feel like you have control of your life, I want you to go go Google Earth. Go to Google Earth and zoom back as far as you can. And then I want that to be a reminder that you're floating on a rock in the middle of space, that we have no control over our lives as much as we think we do. God says, let go. Let go of your sense of control. And in Jeremiah 29, 10, it says, for this is what the Lord says. When 70 years of Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promises concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, right? This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. Now, we use this for ourselves all the time. It's embroidered somewhere on a pillow in somebody's house. Don't lie. We have this on a coffee cup. Somebody's got it somewhere on a plaque. We use these verses so often to, to build ourselves up. And, and so I, I like to be a consistent reminder that this is not about you. This is not about me. These words are written by Jeremiah from God to the people of Jerusalem, exiled in Babylon. This is their passage. However, however, what I do think we can glean is that God cares about his people. If God cared about these people exiled 700 miles from home in Babylon, how much do you think he cares about us as well? That God cares about his people, so don't give up on God because God hasn't given up on you. 
And if he can restore people who had been exiled from their home, banished for 70 years, and restore all that back to them, why don't we think he wants to restore back to us what's been taken? If he loves them and has good in store for them, why can't we assume that he loves us and has good in store for us? So keep trusting God. These are scriptural reminders, historic reminders that God doesn't change, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he would say this to them in their moments of of weakness and turmoil and pain, why would he not say the same thing to us? Stay the course, stay steady, keep trusting because I have good in store for you. His plans for our life was to prosper and build and to grow and to increase. The problem is our definition of prosper is wildly different than God's. We think prosper, we think, well, great, I'm going to get rich. And maybe you will, and I hope you do, and we can meet up. The idea, though, is that God, when he uses the word prosper, doesn't always mean you're going to immediately get rich. We want it a large sum, sum, and we want it immediately. And God's saying prosper doesn't always mean what we think it means, but it means he loves us, and he's going to care for us, and he desires the best for us. And sometimes the best for us is the moments that we don't think are our best. Sometimes he has to take us through moments that we don't like to get to moments that we're going to enjoy. And sometimes God sees the world differently. All the time he sees it different. He has this 5,000-foot view of our lives, and we're kind of stuck in the trees, and we're going, wow, it's really really woods in here, woody in here. And God's going, no, look, I'm seeing from here, and I know the pathway, and I know where I'm taking you, and I know what I'm building in you. And I know you feel stuck, but you're never stuck. I'm with you, and I'm for you, and I'm moving you. Just wait, because I know the plans that I have for you. And they're plans to do good. And they're plans to build. God doesn't always equate prosperity with wealth, but he does equate prosperity with caring for us. Jeremiah gives then the instructions of what they were supposed to do in the moments of exile, in the moments of liminal space. He says in verse 12, you will call to me and come and pray to me. And I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all of the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place I deported you from. Again, he's speaking to these people, but there's a message in here for you and I. In the moments where we feel like we're stuck or we're exiled or we're away from the familiarity of our normalcy, we've got to call. We've got to come and pray. We've got to listen for God. We've got to seek his face. This is the key to discovering God's purpose in exile, is will we fall on our knees? Will we pray? Will we cry out to God? Will we seek his face? You can't just search. You've got to search with all your heart. There's this tenacity involved where you're going to do the thing that you don't really want to do or you don't feel like doing. I don't feel like praying when I'm sick and you know, in the hospital or when I'm uh, suffering from this loss or I'm going through this moment. I don't feel like doing this, but there's something inside of us that says this is what we've been called to do. So in those moments where you feel separated, I want you to pray, fall on our knees. And Jeremiah is describing tenacity and faithfulness. And he's describing this uh, real focus and attention on God. And he continues by making a promise. He says, I'm going to restore you your fortunes and gather you from all over the nations. I'm going to put you back where you need to be, but you've got to seek my face in the process. And I don't know what you've lost, and I don't know what you need, and I don't know where your situation is, and, and everything may be great for you, and we're happy for you. But the reality is a lot of us are hurting, and we're in places we didn't think we would be or want to be. And, and the moment we feel that we're in exile, we've got to name it. This is where I'm at. This is the season of life I'm in. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm going to trust God in the process, and I'm going to call out to him at every step of the way. And God promises he's going to do his part. 
to restore us if we'll do our part. So hold on. We've got to lean in. And we've got to trust God at every front that Jeremiah gives us the invitation and he gives us the promise. He's saying, I'm going to restore to you, but you've got to do this. And so I feel like this can be uh, directly applied to our lives in whatever season you're in. Let's cry out to God. Let's see what he wants to teach us, what he wants to do in us, what he wants to work out in us. And let's watch how all of a sudden that roller coaster that seems so scary all of a sudden becomes something that we end up enjoying or we end up enjoying the process of what God is doing because we know he's going to work it out. We just don't know if we're going to go left or go right or go up or go down, but God's going to figure it out for us and we'll just have to trust him, fall on our knees, search with all of our hearts and cry out and listen for his voice. If you would, go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes this morning.